Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Guys, a group of students in Texas was taking a class on the psychology of emotions. You go, really? Psychology of emotions? Yeah. See, the professor wanted to know what was the, the opposite of happy was. Well, what's the opposite of happy? And one student raised their hand and said, sad. The opposite of happy is sad. Very good, said the professor. The opposite of happy is sad, you guys. Very good. Then the professor asked, what's the opposite of depression? Oh, dun, 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 dun. the opposite of depression. Another student raised their hand, elation. Elation is the opposite of depression. Excellent response, said the professor. Excellent. Finally, the professor asked, what's the opposite of woe? What's the opposite of woe? One student confidently hopped up and said, the opposite of woe is giddy up. Listen, listen, while the opposite of woe is giddy up, in some places... The opposite of woe is joy, is joy. And there's one thing that we can count on in life. Would you agree that life is full of highs and life is full of lows? And we can be sure that in life, we'll have moments of happiness, elation, joy, and then we'll have moments of sadness and depression. And whoa, that's life. That's life. See, guys, in our text tonight, here's what we do. We must learn to navigate the extremes in life as we walk with God and depend on him. Let me say that again. As you begin your walk with Jesus every single morning, as you begin with your quiet time, as you open up the word of God and say, God, speak to me, I'm listening. You have to remember to navigate, guys, navigate the extremes in life. The extremes, as we walk with God and depend on him, as we come to chapter 21, we'll discover that Abraham was or has the task the same as us. He has the task to navigate the highs and the lows in life. We will learn that in these 14 verses, they're divided up between a very happy, joyous, yay, hallelujah, and a very low, low, low time in Abraham's life. Here's a lesson, church. Listen. How do we, as believers in 2019, navigate between those happy, those joyous, and those moments when we're extremely low, when we're super bummed out? You see, the one thing we must remember as we go through our study, that no matter what season you might be in, the one thing you've got to take home with you tonight is God has never left you. God has never left you. Now, now, now think about it, guys. He, he, he's with you in, in the high times, and he's with you in the low times. And here's what's happening right now in your mind. You guys know all of the high times. You guys know all of the, oh, my gosh, that was so cool. That was so awesome. That was amazing. And then you know the times when you were, like, really super bummed and really and really hurt, and really broken. Guys, 
the one thing that we must remember as we go through our text is that God never left Abraham. He never did. He never did. Yet, 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 listen, listen. We as human beings, there are times in our lives, guys, where we say, God, you promised these are your promises. I'm going to stand on your promises, God. This is the foundation of my life. And when we don't see, thing hap- we don't see things happen, here's what we do. Let's be honest. Here's what we do. What did I do, God? How come, how come these aren't happening for me? How come, how come they're not fulfilled in my life? And we see. And we're going to learn that lesson tonight. Aren't you glad you came? <laughs> it's only one. Joe's like, amen. The rest of us are like, ugh. Okay, so let's chat. Let's chat about what we learned last week. Abraham, guys, Father Abraham had many sons. You're one of them, okay? If you recall, he did not live the perfect life. Now, here's what blows my mind. Abraham, he's known as Father Abraham. If I were to look at Abraham, he's a giant in the faith. Can we agree that Abraham is a giant in the faith? You go, yes, amen. Abraham had faith. I mean, Abraham, yes, sir. Get out of the Ur of Chaldees. Go to a place. Where am I going, Lord? Don't worry about it. Just go. All right, baby, let's go. Where did, where did God say we're going? Have no clue. Just pack up the bags and let's go. That's his faith. That's his faith, and I love that, but he didn't live a perfect life. A man, here's a man, let's just be honest. This man has more faith, even when he had the weakness of faith, than a lot of believers at their strongest. You go, what does that mean? There are some today that are junior varsity level when it comes to faith, and Abraham, man, he he had the faith, yet he's still a man, listen to me, who undoubtedly succumbs to the temptations of real life. In an effort to save his own life, what does he do? Do you guys remember what we talked about last week? He made the same mistake again. He made the same mistake. Now, it's one thing to make a mistake. It's one thing to go, oh, whoa, oh, oh, I made, I made, a, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. I learned from the mistake. Ouch, ouch, that hurt. I made a mistake. But it's a whole other thing to make the same mistake again. It's a whole other thing. And Abraham does that. And the first mistake, or we could call it bad choice, happened way back in chapter 12. Why? Well, there was a great famine in the land, and Abraham freaks out. Okay? And he heads down to Egypt. Now, here's what I want you to say. Egypt is a type of the world, but here's what I want you to see. We don't have to have a famine in our lives. We go, oh, the Bible's not relevant. It doesn't have to be a famine, but there can always be something in our life that freaks us out. There's always something that could happen. And, and Abraham, it's just a famine. There's no food. Sasha, there's no food. There's no food. What are we going to do? Sasha, there's no food. We've got to get out of here. There's no food. Well, have you checked the cupboard? I've checked the cupboard. There's no food, right? That's exactly what's going on. So he goes back to Egypt, Egypt being a type of the world. And what does he do in Egypt, right? Well, several things go wrong in Egypt, right? The Bible doesn't tell us that God ever sought, or, or Abraham ever sought God concerning the provision during this famine. He doesn't say, and Abraham prayed, and he trusted God during that famine. He just goes, ah! Where are you going, Abraham? I'm going to Egypt. I heard they had food in Egypt. I'm going to Egypt. I'm going to Egypt. And he goes down there. But the lesson for us, if we can be honest, guys, is that we must seek God in all things. We don't want to make the same mistake that Abraham made. We must seek God. You go, Pastor, what does that mean? The very thing we do is we must seek God in prayer. You're looking at me like you go, huh? Have you ever lost anything very important? A driver's license, right? 
uh, something very important. How do you look for it? You seek. You throw everything. I've got to find, I've got to find this. Where is this? I'm looking. Uh, uh, right? Sister here lost her keys. She went looking for her keys. She went seeking. That's a big difference. She didn't just go, well, let me see. Nope, don't see my keys. She was looking everywhere. Right? We've all lost something very important. Brother Joe loses his golf balls all the time. I mean, that's just, ooh. <laughs> I just had to throw that. But he, anyway, he said, we have to seek God in all things, guys, by prayer. By prayer. You need to seek what your next move as a couple is going to be. What is going to be? Are we praying? We're going to buy a house. We're going to do this. We're going to buy a car. We, gotta, we, we have to pray. We have to seek. You go, well, what happens to Well, the Bible even asks us, that, guys, that we should fast at times. We should fast. That's a lost art. You go, well, fast, what does that mean? Abstain from food to hear the voice of the Lord. Oh, I can't. Now, listen, if you're diabetic, you can't, I mean, listen, only if you can do it, if you're healthy enough to do it, man, just, just fast. Well, pastor, I can't fast food. That's pretty cool. I can't fast. But what you can fast is something else like television or your mobile phone. Oh, not my phone. All fast food, right? Not my phone. Don't take my phone. Don't take, don't take, right? That phone. We all have it with us. And what do we do? We sit there in line. We're like, I don't know how to talk to people anymore. We can fast this. We can fat, try it. God, I want to hear your voice. And the voice doesn't come through Facebook. I want to hear your voice. We can fast television. We can fast movies, whatever it might be, but that's, that's seeking to God. And the last thing we must do, and I, didn't, I don't see Abraham doing this, he didn't seek counsel. What do you think? Here's a famine. What do you think? Should I go to Egypt, right? So what does he do? He heads to Egypt, which is a type of the world. And oftentimes, guys, when life gets hard for us, we head back to the world. There's something in us that makes us believe that before we came, became believers, it was easier. It was easier. Pastor, you don't understand. What, brother? Man, ever since I gave my life to Christian, I've been attacked here, I've been attacked there, I've been attacked. Amen! I don't want that. I want to go back where the devil left me alone. I want to go back to the world. I miss my friends. I miss my party. I miss... No, don't, don't do it because it's a trap. It's a trap, guys. And we head back to the world. As a matter of fact, John, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, tells us, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, he says, love for the Father is not in them. That's a scary verse. John's going, hey, guys, don't love the world or the things in the world. He says, if you do, it might could be that the love of the Father is not in you. Is not in you. So what does he do? Well, he lies. He looks at Sarah, his wife, and says, tell them you're my sister so that they can spare my life. Right? So let us learn from Abraham. He has an issue with this. It seems like he's not fully trusting God for his provision. The problem is, is that I'm Abraham. Even today, God, 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 do you hear me? 
We, we cool. Hey, listen, and, I, and I'll pour out my problems to God. Anybody with me? Anybody? You pour out, have, have you poured out your problems to God and then took them back? Here you go, God. Here's what's going on in my life. This is what's happening. It's all yours, God. You say, cast my cares upon you. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Let's see. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. And we, and we take them back, don't we? We take back our problems. We take back our problems. Adam. Adam has a little boy named Jet. Can you imagine if Jet went to his dad and said, Dad, here, listen, this is broken. I need you to fix it. Adam's like, son, because he's got the beard. He says, son, I can fix this. Right? Adam's pretty handy. He's pretty handy. And so, and so Jet goes, here you go. And as just as Adam's about to take it, Jet goes, no, 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 I think I can do it. And he tinkles with, tinkers with it a little bit more. He does this and this. And he says, Dad, it's not working. Can you? Son, I think I can fix it. Bring it here. Here you go. Oh, wait. And he did. That's how we do with God's problem, with our problems, don't we? Dad, can you fix this? Oh, wait a minute. I think I can do it. I think. But eventually, Jet gives the toy to Dad. Dad goes, psh, 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 boom, boom. There you go. Fixed. What are, why, why do we hold on to them for so long? Why? Why? We're holding on to our problems. Holding on to our problems. So what happens, guys? In chapter 8, or, or let's just say this. This is chapter 12. Eight chapters later, Abraham makes the same mistake. He makes the same mistake, right? What do you mean? After seeing Sodom and Gomorrah go up in smoke and, and, and in judgment, he freaks out, right? So he's on the move again. Now, the Bible doesn't say there's a famine. He's just on the move. He ends up in a place called Gerar, right? And here's where the second mistake happens. In chapter 20, verse 1 and 2, that Abraham journeyed from there to south and dwelt in Kadesh in Shur and stayed in Gerar. And Abraham said to his wife, uh, Abraham said of his wife, she is my sister, and Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. He's making the same mistake, right? He has a wife that is a knockout. And every time he goes somewhere else, he looks and says, they're going to kill me. You're so beautiful. Say you're my sister. Now, we know that she's his half-sister, so it's somewhat true, right? Quotes on God, somewhat true. I like to sit at my desk sometimes and think what Sarah would be thinking. I, I, I just. Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took her. He's a powerful man. So Abraham's singing. What's the, what's the song he's singing right now? Oops, I did it again. Right? Or if you were back in our generation, I should have had a V8. Right? That's what he's thinking. Psh, I really messed up. I should have had a V8. That's what he's thinking. Now, the young kids go, I have no clue what a V8 is, but that's okay. That's okay. So, so here's the question. Why would Abraham keep saying that Sarah's his sister? Right? Well, back then, if a powerful man wanted to, to make an unmarried woman his wife, he would simply take her. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Right? Just, hey. You go, Phew. thank God I'm married. Thank God I'm married. But here's the thing, right? If he 
if she were married and the man lacked the fear of God, he would kill her husband and then take her. And Abraham didn't want to get killed. Abraham didn't want to get killed. Abraham good, had good reason, or so he thought, on why he continues to make a bad choice, right? But my thought is, why do we believers do the same things? We make the same bad choices in our life over and over and over. Why do we do this? Well, Pastor, I think we're prone to it. Well, I think, here's some things. I think we forget the consequences we experienced, right? You guys with me? We, we, forget, all the, we forget the hurt when, if, if it's happened, because like it happened in chapter 12, and then it doesn't happen in eight chapters later, but we forget the consequences, you see? And that's why women have a lot of, have, have more than one baby, because it hurts, According to, I don't know, according to my wife, it hurts, right? But God does something so amazing that he, <laughs> he allows you to forget the pain that you want to have another one, and another one, and another one. I just wonder if that's, I think we sometimes forget the consequences of the bad choice we made. Well, how about this, guys? How about this? I think the enemy tries to get us to doubt God's word. He tries to get us to doubt God's word. Because that's what he did at the very beginning of Genesis. He goes, hey, did God really say? Did God really say? He he wants us to doubt the word of God. You guys can fill in your own blanks, but I mean, think about it. I wonder why we make the same bad choices in, in our lives. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Help me out here, church. Do we not make the same choice and expect a different result? Same results happen, boom. Okay, well, let me, I'm going to do the same thing tomorrow and see if something else different happens. And then we kick ourselves because we're going, man, it's, it's the same. Why am I so bummed? Why am I so stressed? Why am I so depressed? Because I keep making the same choice and I keep expecting something different to happen. Well, guess what happens, guys? The king, okay, the king ends up having a dream, a vision from God. He rebukes Abraham and Sarah and gives Sarah back to him. Notice what it says in verse 14. Then Abimelech gave Sarah back to Abraham along. He sent her sheep and cattle and servants and mail. I mean, he just, he gives them all kinds of stuff, right? Somebody asked me, what was the presence about, right? I think, was that you, Joe? You asked me what the presents were about. The presents, uh, and I wrote this down, which Pharaoh and Abimelech gave to him were voluntary acknowledgments of their unintentional offense against him and of his interceding with God for them. So, so it's basically here, I mean, I mean, he was mad, but it was like, here's this, this is a gift because there was nothing intentional that I did. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. And so we come to our text. That's where we left him off, okay? Oops, I did it again. Now we come. That was last week. Now, we come to our text, and we're still following the life of Abraham. Today, we discover the highs of life and the lows of life. But before we jump into our text, okay, the application for our lives seems very clear. We also have high highs and low lows, 
Times in life when we're, man, we're just flying super high, like, like your wedding day, right? Man, I was talking, to, uh, I was talking to, to just a couple yesterday, and they were, I mean, it was just, uh, just Amanda and Josh were just like, man, that was like the best day. It was just, they were high, high. I mean, there, was, there were some high highs. Or, or maybe it's the birth of your baby. That's, a, that's amazing, right? Tiffany's about to experience that here pretty soon. That's super high. Wow. Wow. A life growing inside you. I mean, that's some high highs in our lives, right? But then we also have some low lows as well. There are times when we have to say goodbye to a loved one. We don't like to talk about death so much in church, but sometimes somebody we love very much dies. And and, and here's the thing. There are times when we're expecting it, to be honest with you, and the low in our lives is, is, is that graceful, right? It's gracefully tolerable. Okay, I knew she was going. It still hurts, but it's a very low time. And then there are times, guys, when it happens unexpected, and we as humans have a super hard time with it. Unexpected. Sister in the fellowship told us yesterday about a husband... 25 years old, you, you might have read about this, he crossed the median and got hit and killed on a car. Didn't expect it. She's 21, he's 25. That was it. How do you prepare for something like that? How do you prepare? But listen, listen, all in all, we have to walk with the confidence that God Almighty will never leave you alone during those times. You guys hearing me? Because you need to take that and you need to put that in your heart. Because none of us knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And the valley that you're going to walk through, you're going to need to know that God is with you. God is with you. That he hasn't left you. And we may feel like God has left us. We may feel like we're all alone. But we have to have that in our hearts Church, we have to have that in our hearts. In those times, man, when we feel so lonely, we have to know that God is with us. See, I myself experienced this firsthand just two weeks ago. Now, man, if I told you all of what happened in my life, man, we'd be here all night. But, 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 but here's what happened. My week started off pretty normal two weeks ago, okay? Um. I knew that my precious sister, Diane, had already been in the presence of the Lord for two days. They called on Saturday. Okay, she passed. I knew that. And I was waiting on the family to share with me the arrangements, what they wanted. Did they want to do, did they do want a funeral? Did they want to do a celebration of life? When? Well, Saturday, whatever it might be. So, so it was all cool. So Monday morning, I, I, there, there you go. And, and the only thing I had planned for that week, guys, the only thing I had planned for that week was was to officiate my, my, the wedding of my brother-in-law. So I, that's the only thing I had planned. Well, mid-morning on, on Monday, I get a call from a sister in the church, and her father was in the hospital, and he wasn't doing well. As we're talking, guys, as we're on the phone talking, they call her back into the room as her dad was taking his final breaths. Oh, okay, okay, call me back, okay. You see her... Her dad passed on to glory right then. Well, I headed to the hospital, and I walk in the family, 
and I minister to the family. And, and of course, there's somebody's daddy laying on the bed, and I'm holding, and we cried, and we prayed, and it was, it was one of those times, right? Guys, the loss of someone is always hard. And my heart breaks for those of us who have to go through that. Well, long story short, we had his graveside funeral the very next day at 11. And then I found out we were having Diana's celebration of life that night as well. So if you would ask me, how was your Tuesday? Well, it started Monday and Tuesday. It was really, really low for me. As the pastor, I'm sitting here and and I had to do two funerals in one day to say goodbye to 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 people. It was an emotionally rough day. But the very next day, we head off to New Mexico where on Thursday I would have the honor of officiating a wedding. But this would be a high for me. Right? When two people pledge their love in front of God, I get to be a part of that. That's super high for me, but you got to realize that's life. You can go from, from just being, hey, man, this is great, great, to... Specifically in the ministry. Specifically in the ministry. You can do a wedding of a beautiful couple one morning and bury a child that afternoon. I mean, you go through a lot of highs and you go through a lot of lows. And that's why people say, that's why people say of pastors, it's the loneliest job you'll ever have. Nobody really understands. And I often ask the Lord, Lord, it has to be a calling. It has to be a calling. And what happened in ministry as I started on is I started carrying all of these. I've started carrying the burdens of the church and it was weighing me down. And then I realized that I couldn't carry that. God didn't create me to carry that. And I had to give them to him. And I had to just say, Lord, you got to take this because I can't carry this. But early on as a pastor, I would carry it. I tell couples that are in marriage counseling, I, I often fought harder for the couple than they were fighting for each other. And that took a toll. So there's high highs and there's low lows in every one of our lives. I look at the young kids over here to my right. They're just starting out. Life is just, man, life. But they've probably gone through some high highs and some low lows in their life just as well. They're young kids. Every one of us. And what I love is that God put in his word something that we can apply so we know how to deal with these things, guys. So let's take a look, guys, at our text and apply it to our lives. Okay, if you're taking notes, here's what I want you to do. This section is broken down in two parts. In verses 1 through 7, we see Abraham on a super high. Why? Because the promise of God is true. The promise of God is true. Okay? Look at 21, guys. Look at chapter 21, verses 1 and 2. It says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he said... And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time which God has spoken. Guys, right now, we're smiling in our face because, wow, this is great. What do you mean? 
if we look at the word visited, we discover that in, throughout the book of Genesis, that if the Lord visited you, it was either to bless you or to judge you. And we saw that in the case of Sodom and Gomorrah, he was not there to bless them. Lot, we got to go. Grab your family. It's about to go down. That was not a blessing. But prior to that, he went, right? He went to, he went to Sister Sarai and said, I know you all tried to work this out yourself. I know you all tried to do that. But it's not Ishmael. You're going to have a baby. And what did Sarah do? She laughed, didn't she? <laughs> and it wasn't a doubt of joy. It was like a doubt, like I doubt that. It was a laugh of I doubt that. And so here she is. Here she is. Now, here's what I love, guys. And if you're a note taker, here's something that you're going to have to take home. Jot this down. God's promises are true. God's promises are true. Why? Because look, according to Genesis 18.10, he says this. In Genesis 18.10, he said, And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Sarah's listening at the tent door, which was behind him. So God promised it back in Genesis 18.10, now delivers, right? And here's what I love about God's word, that his promises are true. His promises are true. Do you believe that? Give me an amen if you believe that. His promises are true, right? And here's what the word says, and you want to jot this down somewhere too. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 says, So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Do you realize that? Do you realize that God cannot lie? So if God says something, if he says you are saved by faith, right, then you're saved. If you put your, he cannot lie. He's not going to go, oh, oh, I meant it for you, but not you. I mean, he's just, guys, think about it. Therefore, we, it says, we have fled to him for refuge and have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Hey, so why is Abraham on such a high high, right? This is his first child with Sarah. You go, whoa, whoa, wait, but, but his first child was Ishmael. No, this was his first child with Sarah. He had Ishmael, but let's just say this. With Ishmael, there was a lot of drama there, and there was a lot of tension, right? Up until this point, before Isaac is born, everything's good. Everything's good, right? Ishmael is getting the attention from dad. They had sent him off. They brought him back. Okay, he's part of the clan, right? Father Abraham, but something's about to change. Something's in the water, right? Something's in the water. Right here, you could say Abraham's on cloud nine. Now, thinking about Abraham right here, I had to stop right here and ask myself, how can I be like Abraham? How can I be like Abraham all the time? All the time. Like, like he's super high. He's, he's super stoked because he just had his baby, right? And he's old. You know, when the Bible says a man, he calls him old. When the Bible says old, it doesn't really give an age. You know what that means? He's almost dead. I mean, that's pretty good. Hey, how old are you? I'm almost dead. 
I'm almost dead, right? That's, but so, so he's, he's super stoked, right? He's having a baby. He's like, I don't know, I don't know, right? Listen, listen. I'm like years old, okay? And I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could do a baby now. Right, Pastor Ben, I have great news. Your wife is pregnant. You're going to have a baby. What? I like my sleep. I've already raised them. No. I quit. <laughs> Can you imagine? And then add another, well, I mean, add another 50 years to that. You're going to have a son? Uh-uh. Right? Abraham, it's time for you to change Isaac. Huh? What? <laughs> right? What? Hold on. Let me put on my hearing aid because, or do we call it selective hearing? I don't know, right? But, but he's happy. I thought, how can I be happy when I know life is full of drama? How can we, ha- how can we be happy, guys? Well, it was funny because, because it, circumstantially, how, how do we walk with that joy? Now, listen, in my life, my wife's not giving birth to a baby right now. Okay, so, so, but, but how can I be happy? How can I, be, how can I have that joy that Abraham has? And I thought about this, and, and uh, Talia, bless her heart, she posted something that gave me kind of a good perspective. And I was like, oh, I got to pull this. And it says this, listen to this. It says, listen to this. You've got to start romanticizing your life. You got to start believing that your morning commute is awesome and fun. That every cup of coffee is the best you've ever had. And even the smallest and most mundane things are exciting and new. You have to because that's when you start truly living. That's when you look forward to every day, unquote. I love that. Why? It's perspective. Do you know what? You go, well, that's pretty, pretty smart for texting that. She texted what Solomon had said in the Bible. What he said in Ecclesiastes, he said, man, I cherish every moment. There's nothing new under the sun. Cherish every moment. You're drinking a cup of coffee? Man, that's the best coffee there is. Yeah. Amen. Right? You get to sit out for five minutes. You get to see the smile of your baby. That's a moment. You can't put money on that. That's, that's the whole point, guys. Look at those moments. We just, we're so busy in life. We're so busy in life that we forget. We forget moments. We forget moments. And then as you get older, can I get a witness? Those are all you have. Those are so precious. It's not about money. It's not about the fun. It's not about the, the vacation. It's about the family. It's about, it's about the times that you spent with loved ones. That's what it's about. I was like, oh, oh. So, so what does she do? She quoted Solomon. Solomon says, listen, there's nothing new in the sun. Embrace. Embrace. Well, Pastor, you don't know. Me and my wife, we, we kind of fight at times. Stop the fighting. Just realize how do we get that in our hearts? Every cup, is, every cup of coffee is the best cup of coffee. Every sunset is the best sunset. Every smile is the best smile. We have to enjoy that. I was Sunday morning, I was sitting out there and I saw Nathalie walking in 
And I said, hubba, hubba. I said, man, if she wasn't married, I'd date her. <laughs> yeah. And she's, that's what, yeah, Lord. Lord, you know what, Lord? Here's, here's our prayer, guys. Ready, ready, men? Lord, our wives need a new husband. Make us that husband. Make us that husband. Wives, my husband needs a new wife. Make me that wife. So Sarah bore him a son. Abraham's old. They name him Isaac. Look at verse 3. And Abraham called his name, the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Now, we have to do some work, guys, and you've got to take notes because we're going to move from Abraham's story to Isaac's story in the next few weeks, okay? The future is changing. Abraham has two boys. You guys ready? Who's the first one? Ishmael, okay? You can jot this down. Ishmael is born of an Egyptian woman. She's called a, uh, she's called a slave woman, but he would be a type of the flesh. Ishmael is always a type of the flesh. You want to write that down. Okay, Isaac, he's born of the free woman, Sarah, and he would always be a type of the spirit. Okay, so when you read Genesis from now on, now you've got some context. You've got Ishmael, he's a type of the flesh, right? We know the flesh, we can't live carnally, we have to live spiritually minded. That would be Isaac. Isaac is also a type, guys, of a fourfold, fourfold way. Now, this is important as we transition. You go, what's that? Isaac is a type. Check this out. This is going to blow your mind. Isaac is a type of the church. He's a type of the church as composed from the spiritual children of Abraham, Genesis 4 and 28. Did you know that? When it looks at Isaac, he is a type of the church. He's also, number two, guys, a type of Christ as the son. You go, how so? He was obedient to the point of death. May I point this out? Jesus learned obedience. Isaac will have to be taught obedience as well. You see, we read these Bible stories and we go, wow, Isaac was just willing to go up there. No, he had to be taught that when his dad said, son, let's go. Yes, sir. Jesus said, I had to learn obedience to the Father to show us what a good picture looks like. We had to learn to be obedient, guys. Number three, he's a type of the bridegroom of the called out bride, right? We're going to see that Isaac is going to have a bride just like we're the bride of Christ. And number four, we're going to see that he's a type of our new nature as believers born According to the Spirit. Jesus called it being born again. Being born again. He's that type. Now, you, ben, ben, why do you give us this stuff? I give you this stuff, guys, so that you can have it, and you can learn it, and you can know it, and that's your foundation. As you read and we keep going, you go, oh, yeah, I know, I know. His name is Isaac. His name means laughter. Laughter. The only son born to Abraham and Sarah... He will later marry Rebecca, and he'll father two boys. Anybody know who they are? Jacob and Esau, right? Here's for extra credit. Who knows what Esau means? Esau mean, it means 
Harry, good job, right? Good job, Sasha. It just means that Rebecca gave birth to a rug. I mean, it's just like, it's a rug. Right? <laughs> Jacob comes out and here's a rug. That's, that's how hairy he was. Anyway, that's another story. Okay, so back to our story. Verse 4. Then Abraham's circumcised son, Isaac, when he was eight days old, we talked about that last week, as God had commanded it. Now, remember what circumcision was. Circumcision was by right that Isaac became a child identified with the nation of Israel. Okay? That's what happens. Okay, you want to be identified with the nation? You've got to be circumcised. Now, the Bible says for you and I, it's not a circumcision of our flesh, but the circumcision of our heart. Where we're not identified with Israel, quote-unquote, we're more identified with Jesus. Yet we're still part of one big family. So he does the circumcision, right? He does the circumcision. Now, Abraham, how old was he? A hundred years old, it tells us in verse 5. When his son Isaac was born to him, even by the time Abraham, I mean, this was a miracle. Now, today, it would have been unheard of. I mean, Abraham's a hundred I looked up, I said, I said, okay, okay. I had to find out, who was the oldest verified mother? Like, how old was the oldest? Her name was Maria del Carmen Busada de, la, de Lara. That's her name. She had a lot of names. But she was, she was 66 years old and 358 days. I don't know why they didn't just say 67. But she was 67 and she gave birth to twins. That's, all, that's the only one verified. That's only 68 years old. Sarah's a lot older than that. So, sweetie, we can always have another baby. You're all right. You're okay? And Sarah said, verse 6, God made me laugh, and all who bear will laugh with me. She also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse the children? For I have born to him a son at this old age. So when the child grew and was weaned, right, Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. Okay, this is very important, okay? I love Sarah's heart. Why? She's like, this is funny. Who would thought an old woman like me would, would uh, this would be, I mean, think about it. I have born a son. I mean, I mean, think about it. Who would have said that Abraham would nurse? I mean, she, I'm nursing it. I'm nursing my baby. This, this is, this is big news. This is all over Facebook. And people are Snapchatting that all over the place. Old woman nursing baby in airport. <laughs> Film at 11, right? But she laughs. She goes, man, I didn't, my friends. I, I mean, think about it. Listen, listen. She says this. Sarah said, God has blessed me with laughter, and all who get the news will laugh with me. Can you imagine? Guys, I love that. And here's what I would encourage us to do. When somebody gets blessed, why, why are we not rejoicing with them? What, what is in, in us that we have to go, well, you know, well, I, think about it. Sister got blessed with a new car. Amen. We rejoice. Yay. We rejoice. We rejoice. Right. If God brings together a couple, why, if God brings together, why, 
I don't think that's the right person for you. We get ugly towards somebody. Why do we do that? I mean, we should be rejoicing. Well, praise the Lord. Why do we think, well, I got to be careful here because this is what we do. Why do we think we know more than God? Well, pastor, I just want to protect my friend and pray for them. But rejoice with them. Smile with them. Love on them. Here's why. Because if that relationship doesn't work out, they're going to need a true friend to cry on when that happens. So I want you to note the high. And it says here, guys, after Isaac grew and was weaned, okay? So if you're taking notes, about three years old, okay? About three years old, okay? There's one thing that we can count on. You go, what's that? Life is full of high highs and low lows. And we can be sure that we'll have moments of happiness and sadness, elation and depression, joy and woe. Well, in verses 8 through 14, guys, Abraham's experience, now he goes from a super high to now a super low, a super low. But what I found interesting, guys, as I was typing my notes, um, before we continue, I want to share something that the Lord spoke to me this morning. I thought it was just interesting, Okay. I'm going to take you back last week real quick, and we'll jump in our text. But last week, we learned that Abraham was selfish, and basically in that we, he made Sarah lie to Abimelech. You guys with me on that? He was selfish. You, you hear, right? What did he say? say? Say, she's my sister. And we know that he wasn't acting on faith, and you all know the implications of Sarah going into Abimelech's harem and becoming his wife, Right? So essentially, instead of defending his wife with his life, he was willing to, listen to me, and even asked his wife be willing to go and have sex with and marry someone else to save his own neck. That's what we learned, okay? Now, here's what I was thinking, okay? I'm going to be honest with you. I went out for a run this morning, and I was run, walking, okay, partially running and walking. But nonetheless, I was out there, and I started to think, how did Sarah feel? Do you ever do that when you read the Bible? Do you ever go, I wonder how they feel? And I, and I started to think, well, how did Sarah feel? Because what, what Abraham was doing was essentially putting his life before Sarah. Can I get an amen? That's what he was doing. And here was my thought. We're all like Abraham at times. You go, Pastor, how so? Well, can we confess that we are selfish and self-centered? Yeah. And the thing is, is we put our own comfort and peace above everything else. And, and here was my thought. I wonder how many times we compromise, listen to me, the word of God in our lives in order to save ourselves. For example, I know what the word of God says but I'm going to ignore that because I don't want the drama in my life. I know what the Word of God says, but I don't want my life disrupted. If I don't ignore it and I'm obedient to it, it could change my life, it could change my status, it could change my sanity. And the Lord really spoke to me because there are things that we do when it comes to the Word of God, guys, that we'll ignore in order to... For us to keep sailing the same smooth waters. I thought, wow, how selfish am I? Not to stand upon the word of God. Because 
I want my life just the way it is. I was so, I was just, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We can learn the lesson from Abraham, right? What's that? God's word is God's word. We must live by it. We must honor it. We must obey it. Come what may. We, need, we take the stand. This is God's word. This is God's word. Well, look at verse 9. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, scoffing. Guys, if you're taking note, you can circle that word for scoffing. It means mocking and laughing. Okay? Ishmael would be about 15 to 17 years old. He was 13 when Isaac, he was about 14 when Isaac was born. It takes two to three years uh, to wean. And so now you've got a 15-year-old, 16-year-old who basically at the time hadn't had a problem until just now. And so now he's what, guys? He's mocking, he's laughing at him, he's causing drama in the house, and, and, and the little boy is about three years old. That's, instead of going, that's my little brother, he's causing problems. He's causing problems. It, it, nothing's changed, right? Nothing's changed in, in, for how many years? I mean, we all have that. We still have sibling rivalries. We need... We need to realize that that's our brother, that's our sister. We need to learn to forgive. But but Ishmael, no, no, he doesn't. Therefore, this is going on. She said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for a son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing to Abraham's sight because of his son. Guys, do you see? So Sarah pipes up. Sarah pipes up, and she's saying, mm-mm, mm-mm, this is not going to fly in our house, guys. She's not going to be an heir with my son Isaac. And Abraham gets super bummed. I mean, he went from a high high to a low low. Why? Because this is his son. This is still his son. And there's tension in the camp. And I think this is a low point in the life of Abraham. Yet God's still with him. I, I, I just wonder at times, guys, I wonder why Abraham was so sad. He had tried to put him away before. I was wondering why he's so sad. And one commentator said this. He mentioned that maybe this was his backup plan. That Ishmael was his backup plan, but now it's gone. Now it's gone. Guys, notice verse 12. It said, but... But God said to Abraham, don't let it be displeasing in your sight because the lad or because of the bondwoman, whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Yet I will also make a nation for the son of the bondwoman because he is your seed. He is your seed. So Ishmael is going to grow up. He's going to be just fine. But here's the application. You ready? I want to talk to married folks right now. Married folks, okay? I want to talk to wives specifically because the Bible just declared to us that, what? Sarah piped up and Abraham got really super bummed. He probably shut down and God says, no, no, no. Listen to your wife. She has good advice. Now, here's what I want you to say. God created our wives, listen to me, wives, as helpmates. Do you know what a helpmate is? A helpmate is somebody who comes along and helps us knuckleheads as husbands. 
Yeah, I already get an amen. I, that wasn't my wife, thank God, but yes. <laughs> Guys, listen to me. Women, listen, you're, you're called to speak life into him. You're called to speak life into him. You're called by God to walk alongside him. Listen to me, not as a thorn. Not as a thorn. That's what God has called you to do, to lift his arms up. Guys, listen, listen, there are a lot of times us men, we don't have a clue what we're doing. You, you, you know that? We, we don't have a clue. We act all the time. Yeah, I know what we're doing. Baby, what are we doing? Okay, yes, that's what we're doing. But we need our wives to help us. Wives, be a good helpmate. Look at your husband and say, man, I need to help him. He needs help. <laughs> You're giving too many amens there. <laughs> Husbands, listen to your wives. Listen to your wives. They speak wisdom. They speak wisdom. We must stand before God to give an account. So we need help. There are times when I've seen husbands go, mm mm, mm mm. But it's only because the wives are not in prayer and they're not they're not coming alongside as a helpmate. And I think we can learn the lesson. The Lord says, Abraham, it's okay, I'm still with you. I know you're at a very low low, but listen to Sarah. Listen to Sarah. Listen to Sarah. You men, there's something inside us called P-R-I-D-E. That when our wives, I mean, listen, my wife is amazing. I mean, she she knows the Bible, she studies the Bible, and she comes up with so much great application. I mean, it's just it's just amazing. But there's pride in us that sometimes when, you know, when they come and they want to say something, and you're just like, and we need to listen. Because she's, I mean, she's given, she's given great, great advice. And God confirms that. So what did, what did Abraham do, guys? Verse 14. So Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread, a skin of water, putting it on her shoulder, gave it to her and to the boy, and the boy into Hagar and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. So we'll follow the trail of Hagar next week. But let's close tonight. Let's close. The very, the very point I want to make, guys, is that in life, we'll all experience the high highs and we'll all experience the low lows. That's a given. Now, what we must always remember is that God is going to be with you during those times. And I believe he's cheering you on as you go through the mountaintop and he's holding your hand when you go through the valley. As a matter of fact, the psalmist says in Psalm 23, verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's a great verse to say, hey, listen, listen, God is with you. We didn't even get to mention the high highs of David and the low lows. From caveman to king, back to running. Think about Jesus. 
the low lows of, of my Savior dying an excruciating death so he could reconcile us back to himself. That's life. Amen? But what I want to learn tonight is that God is with me. And, and there are times when I'm holding his hand There's times when I'm clinging on to him. Nothing gives you more perspective of the father than having kids. Because your kids act the same way we do. Like, like for me, nothing fits better than my grandbaby's hand right here. I love holding her hand. We just walk. We just talk. She knows grandpa's got this. But when there's thunder, she comes running, and there's no holding hands. She's clinging to me. When there's lightning and thunder, she's holding on tight. When there's hail, she's crying, but she's holding on. That's what we need to do with Jesus times we're walking with him in the high highs and we're holding his hand and go, Lord, everything's good. And there's times when I'm holding on to him going, Lord, there's thunder and lightning and hail and please help me. He says, I've got you. Gotcha. Father, we thank you for your word and the truth in your word. We bless you. We love you. In Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.